Hey friends, we were never promised that life would be easy. Sometimes it is hard and super crazy, but when we do life together, we find that it becomes a lot easier and much more fun. I believe in joyful life, in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. I love to dig deep and talk about the really raw things that people are not always comfortable discussing. And I'm also passionate about sharing practical tips that have helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. We will laugh together and struggle together. You will hear honest insights on strengthening your faith and your marriage, parenthood, how to's, and so much more so that you can live life and live it with joy. I am Lindsay Maestas. Welcome to the Living Easy Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. I am really thrilled about this new series, the Seven Deadly Sins series, also known as What Are You Struggling With? Um, I just felt like coming into the new year, this was such a pivotal time for us to evaluate our own hearts and what we have going on. And rather than just setting goals and systems for the new year, actually taking time to evaluate the areas of our lives where we are not honoring God, where we're falling short, where we are being selfish, or um, just kind of things that maybe we've let slip by for so long that we don't even recognize them as sin or as detrimental to our lives. And so I want to really ensure that I clarify that these sins are not unforgivable sins. They are the deadly sins ultimately because they seep into every other area of your life and essentially your walk with Jesus. So the only sin within scripture that is unforgivable is the sin of blasphemy. Um, And so basically what that means is that you are rejecting the grace of God. You're tuning out his calling in your heart. And Jesus told his followers that people can be forgiven of all of their sins, including the ones that we are going to talk about in this series, as well as every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. That's in Mark 3, 28 through 29. So these are not listed within scripture as the seven deadly sins, just to clarify, but they are commonly mentioned and are referred to as the sins because they tend to dig themselves really deeply into our hearts, replacing our worship of God with our worship of worldly things, or they're sins that cause harm to our relationships with Jesus and to the people around us. So today we are going to talk about wrath and anger and what the Bible says about anger, frustration, or overstimulation. And I really wanted to put overstimulation in there because that is a massive struggle of mine that tends to lead to sinning in my anger. And I feel like a lot of parents can probably relate to that as well. I'm sure plenty of other people can, but the Bible says in Romans 12, 19, that vengeance belongs to the Lord and we should not take what is his. And I want to start with that because I think it's really important that we understand that it is not our job to always justify ourselves, defend ourselves, to avenge ourselves. I think a lot of the time we feel that way because we feel wronged by somebody in our life, whether it's a friend, a spouse, a stranger, a driver on the road. We want to make right what has been wrong. And there's nothing wrong with seeing the wrong, but there is something wrong with acting out in sin because of their wrong. It's like every childhood (laughs) um, rule that you ever learned, two wrongs don't make a right. And so um, with that said, I think that 
one of the things that I've seen in people in my life and also just in people that we've counseled and talked to is that they kind of justify their sin. And this is very common because we have reasons behind our sin. We have reasons behind our anger, our frustration, our overstimulation, but that does not give a justification or an excuse for acting out in those feelings. And so I just want you to take a second. I really want to, um, I guess, just encourage you to not think about anyone else in this, because though this may not be your main struggle, it's likely that it has seeped its way into your heart in some capacity. And because of that, it's important to really, really sit and evaluate and just focus on you. You can always send this to a friend later, but right now, as you listen, just hear me and maybe allow the Holy Spirit to convict or challenge your heart in the areas where you struggle. And so just to be clear, anger itself is not a sin. We saw Jesus in scripture turning tables because people were really taking advantage of and ruining his holy place and making it a a market instead of a place of worship. And so that was a righteous anger. He showed anger and that anger itself was not a sin. Jesus never sinned. But acting out in anger in an unrighteous way, in a way that harms others or harms yourself or your own heart is a sin. And so this sin of anger, I will be super clear and super honest with you guys in saying it is not foreign to me at all. Um, If you've heard any of my motherhood episodes, you know that it is something that's been a constant struggle in my life. I... Oof, I react out of anger. I raised my voice. I responded in ways that forced me to apologize moments later, which happens. I mean, it actually happened last night where I got frustrated at bedtime and Saxon, <laughs> Saxon is a really, really, he's, he's humbling me a lot. Um, and he refused to go to bed and I just got so frustrated. I was exhausted. I was worn and I just raised my voice at him. And a few moments later, I was laying in bed with him and I just said, I'm so sorry. That was, it was just not right. You know, there's no excuses. It was just not right. The way that I handled that, he actually jumped on me in a hug and got really emotional, which just showed me the power of apology, but we'll get to that. And so, um, but this is not easy for me, right? Humbling myself to that point is not easy for me. Getting out of this frustration is not easy for me. And really the overstimulation is my biggest issue. Loud noises, being overtouched, et cetera, makes me feel like I'm really anxious, which then leads to overwhelm, which then leads to frustration and anger. So I have learned over the years, because I've been dealing with this for a long time, that constant self-evaluation and self-work really is dealing with the anxiety is dealing with what causes that anger, the frustration, what are your triggers? So maybe take a second as you think through, what are the things that trigger you the most? Take a second to journal them. That's always the best way for me um, to navigate, you know, like growth and change in my life is to really see the areas that cause me to struggle. And as you journal through and, and look through and say, okay, these are the areas that really trigger me. What are the things that I can do to prevent them. So I've, I've talked about this before, but I have noise canceling headphones and it's probably the best thing I've ever done. It has been really, really helpful to me. Um, and also counseling because I have somebody to talk to and to get that frustration out, but also someone who loves Jesus and can come alongside me and give me practical tools. And so when I talk about righteous anger, righteous anger 
creates redemptive fruit. So in righteous anger, we join God in anger over evil. So this, if you imagine murder, right? We see a child or a person murdered and we are angry. We are angry for that child of God. We are devastated. We are hurt. It's an anger that we feel with God not at God or towards God or against his people. And so that kind of righteous anger propels us towards an act of faith of love and truth and justice and righteous anger feels a sense of grief. You can find that in Mark three, five. And because righteous anger is an expression of love, we find that it doesn't destroy his people. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It's not stubborn or resentful. It does not want revenge. Even if it's something that we're fantasizing about, you know, like, Oh, I wish I would have said this. I wish when you leave a conversation and just think, Oh my gosh, I should have said this, or I should have done this, or I should have added that in. And you're fantasizing about ways to almost, you know, hurt them further or to dig a little bit deeper. That is not a righteous or loving anger. And in the way that we are angry over the things that are done to the children of God, we're joining God in that displeasure and it moves us toward prayer rather than sinful action. But on the other hand, sinful anger, which is what you might struggle with occasionally, does not bear redemptive fruit. It leaves us with frustration and exasperation. It creates this boiling feeling in our hearts, which is always how I describe it. Like I feel like I'm boiling over and I just need a moment alone and it won't be tamed until it's released. That's always how I feel. Not sure if anyone can relate, but like I need to get it out. And whether that's talking it out, I'm a verbal processor obviously. So that's how I do things, but whether it's talking it out or gossiping it out, which is just as sinful, I feel like I need to get it out. And so that's where prayer and journaling comes in for me. But I know that it's sinful anger because I want to kind of make other people angry along with me. Like I want that validation in my heart that I'm okay to be sinfully angry, that they should not have done that or said that or acted that way. And I want to bring others along for the ride. Misery loves company, right? And so this is alienating us from God because we're not loving his people. I'm dragging my friends down into sin with me when I'm gossiping to them about anger or the things that make me angry. So it's not moving me or others toward an act of faith or love or justice, but toward acts of selfishness, like withdrawal or irritability, rudeness, exclusion, bitterness, you name it. And that is why I want to talk about these is because as I said, these sins like anger will pour into almost every area of your life. And if you have children, they're watching you. They see the way you react in that car or to the server who spills their coffee all over you. They see how you respond. And even if it's just jerk moments, you know, we're all being changed and grown, but if it's, you know, you think, oh, they're, they're not seeing, but they see, they see your reaction. They see your grace or lack thereof. They see your patience or lack thereof. And so this irritability, this rudeness, you're pouring that down to your family. And sometimes I think that when we see the responsibility that we have for this, it helps us to take more responsibility for ourselves. And so while this sinful anger roots itself in our hearts. It creates this self-pity, right? Instead of a godly grief over evil or over injustice. And so then, and you probably know some of these people, we become cynics and we become really negative toward the world. The world is against us. Everything that we see, everything that we do is just against us. And there's nothing that ever goes right. I have a black cloud over my head. And some people say those things jokingly, but I do, I, I, 
fully, if I'm honest, like don't agree with that because scripture calls us to focus on the excellent, the pure, the lovely, the true things of this world. And then the peace of Christ will be with us. It says that in Philippians four. And so if we're only thinking like, oh yeah, of course this happened to me, I am the one, or of course I had bad luck, or of course this person treated me this way. And we start looking for it, it becomes really difficult for us to find joy and to see the good in other people because we're just kind of angry all the time. And so you may relate to my story in regards to overstimulation. If not, I totally understand and anger presents itself in a lot of different ways, but overstimulation is really common in parenthood. And though it is common, it does not mean it's justified. And this is something I have to preach to myself, you guys, like day in, day out. This is also known as sensory overload. And so that sensory overload can happen really in the car for me when the kids are screaming or playing, even if they're having fun. And that's what makes me feel so guilty is I just get agitated because the noise is so loud and that's where the headphones come in. Um, But you may feel this heightened frustration in your heart when your spouse or your kids are touching you too much, when you feel touched out, which can also affect your intimacy and you feel like your anger is just rising and rising and rising. Or when you hear mom, 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 dad, 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 over and over again, and you're like, wait, what's wrong with me that I'm boiling mad about that? It can be the sensory overload. Or if you have too much on your plate and someone's trying to talk with you and communicate with you about something that is maybe a little bit heavy and you're already nailing out your to-do list in your head and trying to organize, you start to feel frustration. So if you are someone who gets overly stimulated, or if you have a spouse who struggles with this, because it's really important to try to work together with our spouses, it can be really helpful to see that they're not just angry people or they're not just anxious people, but they are far more sensitive to sight, to touch, to sound, and for you both to come together to find ways to navigate that. Um, So whether you struggle with this overwhelm or this anxiety or this anger, I just want to challenge you to say, okay, but this doesn't have to be my future. God is a God of grace. He's a God of restoration, a God of redemption. And I've seen it in my life that while I've not been delivered from this completely, I have grown leaps and bounds by the grace of God and a lot of work in navigating this and just saying, this is not my identity. This is not who I am. Whether you struggle with anger or with porn or with um, dependency or with financial issues, you know, all of those things, they can really seep in and become almost an addiction where you're addicted to feeling that certain thing, but that's not your identity. Your identity is in Christ. And in Christ, you're made new. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. And so if you embrace that identity and say, okay, this is who I am, not that girl back there who I used to be, you then start the restoration process. Second Corinthians 13, five says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith, test yourselves. So as I mentioned, I've had people in my life who struggle with anger and including myself. And one thing is that justification. And I think that we really have to lean into scripture, just as Jesus used scripture to battle his sin and temptation. We've got to do the same. Ephesians 4, 17 through 24 says, with the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do for they are hopelessly confused and the Gentiles are non-believers, right? 18 goes on to say their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives them because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But this isn't what you've learned about Christ 
my friends. And I'm adding the, my friends, because you have to hear this. This is not what you've learned since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitude, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. We are called up and it is the coolest calling, but it is a hard calling to always feel like we're trying to elevate and to get better and to be more holy throughout the books of the Bible. Scripture says, be holy as I am holy. It's not be happy as I am happy. We're, we're not saying, okay, if this is easy for you, do it. We're saying, I'm saying, scripture's saying, this is going to be challenging. It's always challenging to grow and to become better and to be more like Jesus, but it is always worth it. It's not going to be the most joyful experience to stifle yourself when someone says something awful or somebody treats you a certain way or gives you a dirty look to humble yourself and say, okay, Lord, you deal with them. I'll pray for them. Romans calls us to pray for those who hurt us or harm us. And to live that way is a complete shift of heart for somebody who is naturally reactive, somebody who naturally likes to snap at somebody if they've hurt them or show them that they're wrong or prove them wrong or express their frustration and make sure somebody knows they're angry. It is not an easy shift to be the person who humbly walks away quietly. And that is what you're called to, to be slow to anger, slow to speak because the anger, because anger as a whole does not produce the righteousness of God. So what does that feel like for you? Like as you look at your triggers on the journal page, hopefully you wrote some down and you imagine yourself humbly walking away from that situation without saying a word, how does that make you feel? And as you process through that, I challenge you to pray and to maybe talk to somebody in your life who holds you accountable so that you can say, this humility is what I need. I need to seek humility. I need to kill my right to be angry because essentially sinful anger is fueled by pride. Isn't it that person in your life, or maybe it's you who won't admit when they're wrong. Um, because you can get, somebody can be angry and you can get angry Two wrongs don't make right, but you walk away saying they deserve that. You're still not acknowledging that you're in sin because they prompted you to do it. But that is just basically taking their sin upon yourself and sinning against Jesus, something he died for you for. And so don't be the last to say, sorry, don't be the first to jump at an event, to express what's on your mind. Be slow to speak. Don't react with a harsh tone or honk your horn at anybody who even slightly agitates you or, you know, suck the peace out of your home. I talk about that a lot on my Instagram at living easy with Lindsay or to cuss or yell in arguments or toward people and to make sure, and this is a big thing to make sure everyone feels your anger. I think that that is, it's like you want, and I did this guys, I did this when my kids were really young and I was really struggling. Like I, I maybe not felt my anger, but I wanted to complain. I wanted people to know how challenging it felt for me. Um, and so I would complain. I'm like, Oh, you don't understand like how, this, my son's sickness, how much that's weighed on me rather than lifting that up to Jesus. I wanted everyone to feel my heaviness. And as I grow up, I'm 33 now and still have a long ways to go. But as I grow up, I realize, gosh, I don't, I don't want to be the one who makes people feel like they have to be walking on eggshells around me. So they don't get my wrath or my complaining. I don't want to be the one who's, you know, makes people feel like they need to tiptoe in certain situations so that, somebody doesn't get yelled at. Um, 
I, I just think that there's a place of saying this humility makes us think of others more than ourselves and anger makes people really uncomfortable. It just does. We're projecting our feelings and making everyone around us feel it. So as we think about our lives and the gospel of grace, which says that we are made new in Christ, that our identities in Jesus, not in our sin or our anger or our struggles. And the word Christian as a whole means little Christ. And so that's what we're doing. This name is given to us because we're made in his image. We are to imitate his character, to strive to live like him. And first John two, you guys have heard me quote this a million times. If you've been around for the past five years, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Did we ever, aside from the flipping tables, see Jesus because that was God's holy house, right? I just want to clarify. That's why he did it. This was for God, not against God, because they were not worshiping in the house of God. They were tainting the house of God. So as we think about that, we say, okay, what does this look like for me to react properly in my anger? Well, we look at Jesus and we see his compassion. We see his slowness. We see his willingness to help people. We see his boldness. He was always bold. Just because you're not angry doesn't mean you have to be meek. Being meek does not make you more holy. Okay. Scripture does say, call us to be meek, but that doesn't mean we're not to be bold in the truth and in what's right as long as it's toward something righteous. So as we see Jesus, we see that he's part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One of the ways I've heard it described, which may not be the most theologically accurate, but is an egg. You have the shell, the yolk, and the whites. And that is kind of how it's three in one. You have the Trinity, three in one. And so we know Jesus' character based on what he displayed in his time here on earth and through the character of God and God's word. Proverbs 14, 29 says, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. And I love this because I think that sometimes we feel that the more we say, or the more we act out, the more wisdom we have, or, you know, it it like levels us up against somebody, but it's really deceiving because that couldn't be more untrue because when you're at a restaurant or you're at a party or an environment where these people are acting out in anger and they're causing a scene. What do you think? Like, I don't know if you're like me, but when I see that, I immediately one feel very uncomfortable Two, want to leave their presence and three think, wow, they kind of need a better head on their shoulders. And so we think that we have a level up, but really what it's doing is putting us a level down in a worldly perspective, because there's no longer wisdom seen in that person. There is wastefulness of opportunity. There is folly. There is a lack of wisdom. And Proverbs 15, one says a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And I would challenge you to take a second and write these scriptures down, post them on your mirrors, post them in your car, wherever you find yourself most triggered. Um, and that's Proverbs 14, 29, Proverbs 15, one. And then we have Ephesians six, four, which says, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then James one nineteen through one twenty, which I've already quoted. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So you may be thinking, okay, I'm evaluating. I have triggers. I'm evaluating. I may have a little bit of anger, whether it looks different. I can stonewall because anger does not always mean lashing out, stonewalling, giving the silent treatment, kind of reacting childishly, emotional manipulation. These are all ways that we use anger against people and in a sinful way. So how do we replace it 
with goodness and godliness. Now there are plenty of practical tips. There's one where you can put wristbands on your wrist and every time you get angry, you move it over. And if it kind of is just an accountability thing to see how many you have left at the end of the day, um, you can do the headphones. You can make sure you have alone time, self-care time, which is really important, but there's also just spiritual changes and heart changes that have to be made. Colossians 3.15 says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. So how do we replace anger? How do we get rid of this frustration, this stonewalling, this silent treatment, this natural tendency that probably came from our childhood and the way that we were taught to handle dysfunction or discord? Um, well, number one, we pray. And I don't want to say this in a cliche way, because I think a lot of people listening may have anger toward God. And I, I don't tell you pray, you know, just before your meal and say your mundane routine prayer. I want you to be honest with Jesus. There is a place at this time in our lives. when after 2020, after the chaos of the world with all that's going on with the discord in our, uh, you know, through social media and the division that we have to come to a place and say, what do I believe? What do I know to be true about God and his character? What do I know to be true about myself and my heart? So we need to pray for God's peace to replace the anger or frustration or even brokenness that we live in. We pray a prayer of gratitude every morning and give thanks for the good in our lives because that thankfulness really, really resets the way that we view and perceive the world and the things that happen to us. Um, because if we just keep seeing what's wrong with the world and what's wrong with our lives, we are going to grow more cynical and more negative. So you should prepare yourself to not actually want to pray because if you're an angry person or a frustrated person, prayer is self-humbling. It really takes you to a place of saying, I don't have it all under control. And this is something as a control freak that I need all the time. Um, and it's a huge step. And so I just want to commend you that if you implement this in your life, it is a huge, huge momentous event that can genuinely change your heart. Ask God for forgiveness. Confess the areas where you've fallen short in your life, in your home, in your car, with your family, with siblings or parents. These are the areas that really dig into our hearts. And we have to kind of unlearn this hard behavior. But as we seek God's grace and accept it with humility, we find growth. Number two, you need to talk about your anger and frustration. Your pride is going to tell you, nope, don't confess it. Don't admit to it. Or if you do admit to it, make sure that you kind of level it down so people don't know the extent that you actually struggle with. That is so counterintuitive, okay? Um, because you feel humiliated, you feel lost, but what you're actually doing is keeping that bondage in your heart and you're not allowing yourself to grow. So if you think people will look down on you for their anger, you don't realize that everyone has the depths of sin in their hearts and everyone has brokenness. When you start realizing that and, and choosing to believe that, you feel a lot of freedom because the more you talk about it, you'll see that almost everyone else struggles. That's what I've seen with this podcast. We have millions of people listening and thousands, tens of thousands of people saying, oh, I struggle with that. Oh, I struggle with that too. Oh, nobody's talked about that before. And I love that you talk about it because I've never felt like I could confess it. Um, and that's by God's grace that I can discuss my mess. But let me tell you something. I have only seen freedom from it and a breath of relief come from me and other people that I express my sin to because they can finally say, oh, <gasps> wow, Lindsay, you too. I'm so glad to hear that. And so as you've heard me say a million times, when our sin is in the light, the enemy loses his power over it. So if you feel resistance talking about it, 
keep going, keep addressing the pride in your heart, keep talking about it. The more you open up about it, the more you ask for accountability, the more you tell people like, Hey, I totally lost it today. And I completely dishonored God. I ruined my witness. Can you please pray for me that I'll do better tomorrow? It brings a lot of growth in order to do that. Or when you do that, number three, memorize God's word. As I give you guys scripture, those deep, impulsive anger moments or frustration, that is when his word really will resonate with you. I've shared this before, but I struggled, struggled with promiscuity a lot. And when I was with Jesse, when we were engaged, that was how I felt love was intimacy. And he wouldn't give it to me because he wanted to honor God and honor me. And I was, I wanted to honor God, but I didn't know any other way. So I was upset because I felt unwanted and I had to constantly repeat to myself the the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it was like such a humbling <laughs> experience for me. Um, it really was. It was just very, very humbling. So I would repeat that over and over and over in my head and know, okay, God has a better way. And that's the thing is I think for many of you, and I want to really speak this, I feel like the Holy Spirit is just leaning into this right now, that many of you feel like this is protection over yourself, that it is this anger, this reaction, this letting people know how you feel is a protection because you may have felt out of control in your childhood or in your life. But God is saying, I am now your protector. I am now your caretaker. I see you. I love you. You now get to have peace within yourself. You now get to have peace in the world. You don't have to keep doing this protecting because vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You know God will handle. And we've seen that happen. People, they reap what they sow, right? And so we can leave it to him. It doesn't have to be ours that we carry anymore. This burden is too heavy. The anger is too heavy for you. And God hasn't given it to you. He has given you a heart of freedom, a heart of ease. Um, he carries the burden for us when we're weary and he promises that in his word. And so I just want to encourage you that if that's what you were taught growing up, that, you know, you are the only one who can handle this. You're the only one who can protect yourself. If you don't do it, who else will, you have to be your defender, your family's defender, Give that responsibility to Jesus. It's not yours to carry anymore and see how the joy is brought back into your life. The joy is brought back into your family. The, the lack of feeling like people have to walk on eggshells around you, that goes away. Give yourself the freedom to feel and to pray honestly to God when you are pissed, right? Like when I am pissed, I, I'm like, oh God, help me out. Okay. I am losing it. And I am this close to speaking my mind, but, and I know we say this again, but this has been the best thing for me. You guys is just to say, hurt people, hurt people. And when people are driving in front of me and they're driving like a fool, I tell myself they're going to the hospital. Their mom is in the hospital, their sister's in the hospital, or they had the worst day. They just got fired from their job. And those things are probably not true. Maybe they're just a horrible driver, but it, it causes me to resist the temptation to get angry, which then frees me of the burden and resentment that I then carry because of that driver. Because right, you like slam on your horn and then you're the only one who's being affected by that. I mean, of course they're going to be bothered, but now you're pissed. And now I'm slamming my keyboard around my, my mic around now, but then you're the one pissed. You're the one feeling it when you could have just moved on with your day. <laughs> one of my friends a long time ago, he taught me, he said, when you're angry and you want to honk and he was just really funny, but he would go like this. 
like spirit fingers. And I, now I just do it because it just makes me laugh. Like it, it stops me from honking or getting upset. And I'm just like, oh, like sometimes I'll grit my teeth, but I do that. So I'm, oh, you can't see me in the mic, obviously on the podcast, but I'm just wiggling my fingers, like slow down. Um, it just helps me. So find the things that help you and find that freedom that comes from knowing this is not yours to carry anymore. And when you have God's word deep, deep, deeply written within your heart, you find that it comes in and out more often and your family starts to feel it. They start to see the gospel through you and the love of God through you and the hope through you because they're seeing real transformative change. So I just want to challenge you, you know, ask yourself and write and journal this. What would it look like six months from now if you really started implementing prayer, memorizing God's word and accountability and talking through your anger and really fought it? Like you battled it hardcore. This is something, it's a fight, right? It's a, it's a war against the enemy, essentially a war against sin. It's what Christ has died for, for you. So six months from now, what would look different? And, and do you desire that? Like, do you desire that enough that your relationship with Jesus could start to heal because this anger that you're living in daily, it pulls you apart from God because anger is not of God. So how can you motivate yourself? You know, we all need a little motivation to change and to grow. And for somebody to say in six months, you are nothing like I remember, like you are, you have so much calm in you. You have so much peace in you. You have so much rest in you. Where is that from? And then you can share the gospel. So I love you guys. I am so thankful to be here. I'm so thankful to be having this series. I've had quite a year, which I should just do an update and be really candid with you guys because it's been been a little bit of a brutal year. And when we're hurting, anger comes out more often. And so my counseling has been a saving grace for me. Um, My friends, my poor friends, my venting posts have been a saving grace for me. Um, and, And my relationship with Jesus has just been a massive foundation for me that in moments where I didn't even know how I felt, you know, I would just get on my knees and cry and ask God to show himself because I was feeling distant. And I just encourage you to do the same. So let me take a second to pray for you. If you could pause, if you need a moment um, until everything is quiet or just go hide in the bathroom, if you have kids, just so we can pray together. Okay. Dear heavenly father, I just lift up all of my listeners today. I thank you that I'm here. I I haven't felt this refreshed or rejuvenated in a while, this excited to talk about something. And I know it's because it's your word. It's very pointed. It is um, growth centered. And that is what you've given me a passion for. So I thank you. I thank you for the listeners today. I wish I could see all of their faces, but I know that you see them. I know that you know their names. I know that you know their struggles. And so I pray right now, father, that you will just replace that heart of anger the frustration, the overwhelm Lord with a heart of peace that comes only from the Holy spirit, but it's given to us. We have access to you. We have access to your Holy spirit, Lord. And therefore we are changed. We already have the tools that we need. So I pray that we implement those tools that we allow ourselves to grow. We allow ourselves to change, to be molded by you and to stop resisting that growth. Father, I pray that you give us the courage, the bravery, and the humility to change, um, that you will just knock our pride to know that we do not have to be our defenders anymore. We do not have to be the ones who react quickly to prove a point that we do not have to be the ones to speak our minds, Lord, because that is not necessarily our calling. We will always stand bold in truth. We will always stand bold in love, but that will be our foundation. Love will be our foundation because that's what you've called us to, to love our neighbors 
as ourselves and to love you and to make disciples. And as we move forward and as we live out this love, this patience, this peace that doesn't feel natural to us, we will then live out your ministry as disciples because people will see your change. So I pray, Lord, that you just perform a miracle, produce peace in the hearts of those who don't feel it, um, and give them the courage and the bravery, as I said, to truly, truly make that change in their lives. You have the power to do so. We have you in us. And so together, Lord, we are able to change, to grow, and to be examples of you. I love you very much. And um, we just thank you so much for your presence and for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Holy spirit. I just feel it. (laughs) I feel it. So next Monday, we're going to be discussing laziness. So this one's a good one. And even if you're not a lazy person, I'm really digging into what it means to kind of not give our all, whether that's with our goals, with our motivation, like working out, um, with our families, our quality time, just how to be an intentional human being in 2023 and practical ways and spiritual ways to do so. And of course, what the Bible says about it. So if you haven't already subscribed, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. I love having you. Don't forget to click subscribe on Spotify or Apple podcasts. Also, if you don't mind, it would mean so much if you could take a moment to um, just give me a quick rating and review on the podcast. I, on Apple podcasts, It's been a little while and I got some pretty negative comments on the podcast, mostly saying I talk over guests. So I just want you guys to know, I am so sorry. Um, I am very much a talker and I need to be more cognizant of that. And so I've really tried to be more intentional, Um, but I would just love some, (laughs) some new reviews. If you have a second to just comment something real quick, it would mean the world. Um, but I am really working on that. I want you guys to know, I hear you. I see you. And maybe they're not negative. They're just honest. I shouldn't say negative. They're honest reviews. And I do appreciate that. So I will be more aware, but, um, some of them were just a little bit, not very nice for no reason, which it just happens when you are, have a platform. But anyway, all that to say, if you don't mind reviewing, it would just, it would help my heart a little bit. So I love you guys. I really do believe if you do this work and you fill your minds with the things of God, that you and your family will feel the fruit of this. So listen back to this episode, share it with a friend or family member. Um, if it impacted you or, you know, confess and say, Hey, here's an episode that really caused me to evaluate myself. And I would love some accountability. I love you guys. We'll talk to you next Monday about laziness.